Lord, we thank you this morning. We love you. We ask you now, Father, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know your son, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, fill my words, take the scriptures and open them to us that they might go deeper than our natural minds, but deep into our soul and spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I heard a story about the British politician Winston Churchill before he had arisen to be the Prime Minister of England in the days of the ramp-up of uh, the Nazi regime as Hitler was making his rise. Um, the thing about Churchill is that he could be pretty acerbic. He could be, have a strong tongue towards his political adversaries. And there was one man in particular who was sort of the titular head, the acting prime minister, that he, Churchill just thought the guy was being incredibly weak and, and timid in the face of the rise of Nazism. He just could hardly stand it. And so they're sitting in a group uh, one day, and, and Churchill sort of growled out in that gravelly voice of his, you know, when I was a child, my parents took me to the circus, and I was most excited to see the place of the strange and the bizarre, what they used to call a freak show. I, I wanted to see these bizarre and strange people. Only my parents, my parents thought I was too young and tender to see because the headliner, the headliner of this show of the bizarre was one called the boneless wonder. They thought my young eyes could not handle it. And I have waited these 50 years to see the boneless wonder and lo and behold, there he is across the way. Friends, too often, I think, in our spiritual lives, we act more like the boneless wonder than the mighty sons and daughters of God whom he has made us to be. It is in your spiritual DNA, if you are a child of God, if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have within you daring and boldness and persistence, a greatness that is not your own, but is that which has been given to you because the Spirit of God is in you. Your DNA is one of strength and courage, daring. That's why we're going to be talking in these weeks to come about what it means to be daring Christians, what it means to be the kind of Christians whom Jesus said, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and the forceful lay hold of it. Some translations say, the passionate seize the power of the kingdom. What does that mean, and what does that look like to be a daring Christian? And today, I particularly am going to start out in the place where all boldness flows from, and that's in the place of daring prayer. In fact, why don't you say daring prayer? Daring prayer. I'm going to talk about daring prayer, because that's what Jesus was speaking about in the gospel lesson. I'm going to start... Uh, at verse 22. Jesus answered Peter and the disciples. He said, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Now, this is pretty radical stuff, and it would be the kind of thing that we might be tempted to just toss aside if Jesus didn't say almost the same thing multiple times throughout the scriptures. 
Almost the same thing repeated in Matthew chapter 21. You see it again in John 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done. If you ask in my name, the Father will give. He talks about the power of agreement in prayer as we come together in his name. So this is not isolated. So that means when you see scriptures repeated, themes repeated in the scripture, you really probably ought to pay attention because it means that he's trying to give us something, a principle that we can actually live into, not just something to think about. And so he begins. He says, with a command. Everybody say a command. Amen. Have faith in God. Four, four words. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. We need to know that faith is the key that releases heaven's resources into our situation. Let me say that again. Faith is the key that releases heaven's resources into our situations. Now, where we get it wrong is we think, well, I'm a man or a woman of little faith. It's not about the size of your faith. That's natural kind of thinking. It's not about quantity. And Jesus addressed that. He said, you only need to have mustard seeded size faith. You know, think poppy seed size faith. You don't need a quantity because faith is not about how much you have. It's about the one in whom you have it. Have faith in Have faith in God. Say that again. Have faith in God. He gives us a command. We trust that God exists. And as Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. As we go after him, it's only because he's already been coming after us. And it delights his heart that we would trust him. We have faith in God. What kind of God? A God that we make that's a little stone statue? No, the God of the universe. The God of all glory. The God who raises the dead. The God who moves mountains, opens seas. The God who is the glorious creator of the universe. He is all-powerful. And he is all good. And that's probably something that has got to be settled in some of our hearts because disappointment has come along and, and caused you to question and wonder, is he really good? That is the starting point, the goodness of an all-powerful God to see a life of daring faith, a life that's lived as it has been intended by God, not becoming a boneless wonder. He is good he is good, he is good, he is good, and he fulfills his word. There's a story about Alexander the Great, the emperor. And one day, Alexander the Great had uh, this counselor, this guy in his court, who asked him for a great sum of money. He, he needed help. And Alexander said, absolutely. Go down to the imperial treasury, uh, tell the treasurer I've sent you, get whatever it is you need. And so the man went down and he asked for thousands, y'all, thousands of pounds of gold. And the treasurer, being a bookkeeper, was panicked. What are you, crazy? And he said, stay here, I'm going to the emperor. And the treasurer went and he said, this is a ludicrous request. This is completely unreasonable. And Alexander the Great listened patiently. And then he said, give the man what he wants because he has honored me greatly. First of all, he believed what I said. 
Second of all, he believed my wealth and my generosity. And thirdly, he believed that I would fulfill what I told him I would do. Give him all that he wants because he has placed great trust in me. You know, it's a picture of faith. It's a picture of what Jesus is talking about when he says to us, have faith in God. He is good and he is powerful. There is nothing too large for our God. And then he gives an illustration. Go to verse 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now it's very likely that Jesus is making this statement about prayer on the Mount of Olives. That was the place they went to pray. Uh, this is taking place during what we call Holy Week. He's uh, already done the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He has spent the night in Bethany, which is just down the hill from Jerusalem. And so he's on his way to the temple. He's going to cleanse the temple on this day. And so it makes sense that they would be on the Mount of Olives. That's the place they went to pray. Um, Catherine and I were just there a few months ago, and you literally look over a short valley down onto Jerusalem, and particularly it's on the side where the Temple Mount is and where the temple uh, used to stand. So it's, it's quite reasonable that he's there speaking to them. Now, on a very, very clear day, you can see from the Mount of Olives all the way to the Dead Sea, which is about 20 miles away would be to your left, your right, my left, if you're standing on the mount. And of course, in those days, they didn't have the smog and the pollution and the haze that we have. So it's entirely reasonable for him to be standing in that place, making this statement, looking at the mountain they're standing on, pointing to the sea down the way. People look at this and go, this is crazy stuff. Take the mountain and throw it into the sea. But the reason it sounds crazy is we're looking at it with a natural mindset. The natural mind is always at odds with God. God's ways are higher than our way. God's ways are different than our way. This is hyperbole. Now, that's a fancy word for it's a symbol. Jesus is using the mountain as a symbol. He's saying, if you've got faith in God, Pete, St. Peter, if you've got faith in God, you could say to this mountain that we're standing on, be cast into the sea, 20 miles away, and it will happen. It's ludicrous, but that's the point. The point is he's saying there is nothing so large for God that he can't handle when you come to him in believing prayer. There's nothing that God can't do through you and through your prayer life if you come to him in believing prayer. If your faith is in God, he says. If you don't doubt in your heart, and that word doubt can mean divided, you're not divided in your heart, mixed up in your heart. And this, I think, is where so often our prayers fall to the ground. At least for me, that's been the case, perhaps also for you. So often what I do in prayer is I go to God and I give him a list of my problems. And I begin to exercise my doubts before God. And I walk away more anxious than I was when I began. Anybody know what that's like? All right, me and the six over here and a couple back there, right? And you walk away more anxious than you started, and you start to wonder, I don't know if this stuff's real at all. Doubt wants to come in, lead to unbelief, make you a boneless wonder. Perhaps 
what you need to do is take your cares and concerns and frustrations and pains and sorrows, and instead of getting busier in your life, find some space to grieve before God and allow the Spirit to work in those things, in those hardships, showing you, grieving them, being frustrated about the things that are going on, asking the Lord to shape and hone, Lord, what is your will? How do I get aligned with you? I bring you this thing. I bring you what's before me. We get into a place of faith there because you begin to remember, wait a minute, you're good. And you're, you're not only good, but you're powerful. Not only are you good and you're powerful, but you've said in your word multiple times through your son who is the living word that whatever I bring to you in faith, not doubting in my heart, it will happen. We get back to a place where actually the spirit can use us and use our prayers to change reality itself. There is no mountain. Look up. There is no obstacle. There is no trial or challenge that is too big in your life or the life of the people around you for the living God. Do you believe that? Most of the time. The reason I say that is that wasn't a resounding yes. So why not say, Lord, make me a daring prayer? Would you begin to align me with your word? Would you begin to shape in me what this word is talking about? That there is no impediment that is too big for God to handle when I approach him in believing prayer. You've heard me say before, when you have God on your side, no matter what the odds, you are in the majority. Doesn't matter the odds. With God on your side, you're in the majority. Let me give you an example. Let's take it and bring it into everyday life. Uh, I was thinking about this this morning, and, and what came to my mind was a time that I was praying with my daughter, Caroline. She was about 14 at the time. We were in India, and we were, we were teaching on God's kingdom and prayer. We were teaching on the power of God to meet us in our needs. And at the end of the teaching, we were speaking through interpreters, uh, we had these prayer lines set up, and we had teams of people praying, and she and I were a prayer team. We are standing there, and this woman walked up to us, and this is the way she walked. Because she was so bent over. I mean, I couldn't figure out how in the world she got around, because she was so bent that she was literally perpendicular to the ground. And we didn't know what her need was, but I surmised there was a mountain on top of her. Something's on her, Lord. I don't know what this is, but God, you're good and you're powerful. And we laid our hands on her and we began to pray and call upon the living God who loves her, who created her, who didn't want this thing that was on her binding her. God, would you take this mountain that's on her back and throw it in the sea? And Caroline, who was to the side and had her hand behind the woman, said it was as though electricity shot through her spine. And every bone started to move and rearrange. And that woman went, and her eyes got really big. And her hands went straight up in the air. And I don't know what she said, but I'm pretty sure it was happy. <laughs> and I probably was, oh, my God. And the joy that swept her and her family, the testimony she became to the people in her life. There is power in believing prayer. There is no mountain too big for the living God. And so I ask you this. What mountains are you facing? Right? What is foremost on your heart this morning? 
and maybe things are going pretty good for you, but you, you got family, I bet there's some mountains in some of the members of your family's lives. Your son, your daughter, your mother, a father, a sibling. What mountains are you seeing in the lives of the people in your life group? What, what mountains are there in the life of your neighbors and your friends and the people you go to school with and that you work with? What are the difficulties that they are facing? And what are the challenges that are before you and those whom you love? What tasks do you have that you're just not sure you can handle? And the anxiety is mounting and the fear is building. Could be a troubled marriage. It might be a situation in which you've got a financial mountain ahead of you. You've done everything you know how to do. You give to the Lord in freedom. You tithe to the Lord. You make offerings. You live on an actual budget and watch your spending, and yet there's a mountain before you. Is it too big for our God? I would say, no, it is not. No, it is not. How about an issue of sin, right? A, A habit that's taken over in your life or somebody else's life. Do you believe God can tackle the mountain of sin in somebody else's life? I am a living testimony about a group of four women who came together in believing prayer when I was a young man whom everybody else in the world would have said, that guy, there's no way that that guy would be a Christian. And there's no way he would end up being a pastor. And there's no way much good could come from him. But in believing prayer, they crashed the gates of heaven on my behalf. And my life got so bad, I had to turn to God. Thank you. (laughs) What is the mountain before you? Maybe though, let me just say this, it might be a positive mountain. He's given you a vision for ministry that you can't figure out, I don't know how that could happen. Maybe he's given you a dream about a business and you're like, this is taking me out of where I'm comfortable. What is it? What is it that's stirring in your heart that seems way too big unless God's power is involved? Will you bring it to him this morning? You have a call on you, and you're saying, I'm a nobody. Well, I want to tell you, yeah, that's true, but there's a somebody with a capital S that loves you and has all the power in life you need. That makes you somebody too. Will you allow God to use you? Will you have daring faith in daring prayer? That's my question to you this morning. And I would invite you this week to boldly look at these scriptures. It's Mark chapter 11. Go home and reread it, 20 through 25. And I want to say one last thing. If while you're praying, you recognize you need to forgive some people, Jesus says, go on and do it. Because that's going to help to release his life within you. Why? Because he's a forgiving God. The cross has proven it. The resurrection has sealed it. We must be forgiving too. Be daring. Be daring. Be bold. Be who he made you to be through Jesus. And that's my cue. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, you know the mountains we face. You know the mountains our loved ones face. Father, would you make us a daring people, daring to believe you are good, daring to believe that prayer is what you say it is, a movement of the impossible, an inbreaking of the kingdom 
an inbreaking of what is possible because you are almighty and because you love us. For the sake of your name and in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.